0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Gridiron Guys, your home of the NFL, south of the equator. I uh, just thought I'd jump in before this week's episode to introduce our guest. Uh, we had the utmost pleasure of having Nathan Chappie Chapman on this week, uh, the creator and director of Pro Geek Australia. Really stoked to have him on and chat about his journey from the AFL into the NFL and then what he's doing now to help you know, some of these young lads get across the pond and play college football. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. Well, no, thanks for joining us, Uh, Chappie. Really appreciate your time and um, coming on, chatting to us today about, uh, I suppose, your story and your pro kick and all that. Um, But I suppose, yeah, just before we uh, kick off, if you want to just, we're having a look at your story to start off with. So I think you're a bit of an AFL player beforehand. This all started um, and I had a quick look through research and that was just me having a look at your Wikipedia page, but um, started out in Kangaroo Flat and Bendigo, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Country, yeah. uh, country,
1: Victoria. Um, I grew up in a small, well, I sort of started out small town, Colburn Avon, uh, population 200. I yes. uh, learned to play footy out there. Uh, the, uh, I was probably started footy when I was eight and the youngest team that they had out there was under 16. So I had to learn pretty quick.
0: Yeah. And then,
1: <laughs> um, and then we moved into Bendigo and sort of played, you know, went to school there and, and played some footy
0: there. So, uh, I guess, country boy at heart, for sure. Yeah, that's the way. And then, obviously, eventually, going well enough, you got picked up number two in the draft and went to the Bears. That's pretty handy going number two. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it's a funny story. Well, you know, not a funny story, but I always look back with a bit of bit of humour to it and um, have a bit of a laugh. It's, I guess it could might seem surreal at the time and a title to have, but, you know, just where you're drafted doesn't necessarily mean you play 300 games. Um Thought I had a crack at it. Could have done some things a little differently, but uh, but yeah, one thing led to another, and and sort of here we are. But you know, love the the journey I had with the AFL. Certainly set me up for what I do today, and you know, it wouldn't wouldn't change it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I suppose yeah. So what you finished up in two thousand, and then I guess the next four years for you, where did the transition go from there, getting to Green Bay? Um, well.
1: I reckon I would probably had the, the idea that I'd like to do it for a number of years. Um, I didn't think I was, I didn't think I'd finish football at 25 though. Yes. And that was um, actually, it was a great time in my life. I was physically strong. You know, I lucked out by not having, I had a few injuries in the AFL, but um, not long-term serious ones. Uh, so, leaving the AFL and then sort of thinking I needed to get my teeth into something else was sort of what sparked it. But I just didn't know how to do that. I I knew I could kick. I knew there was, um, it was felt like there was something there for me. And then it was, well, what I can do in the meantime is just kick and go down the park. Um, didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, like most people just think that if they can kick a good every now out again, it's okay. And then I, uh, Yeah, really fortunate. Uh, Nearly gave it up, actually. Uh, Nearly gave it up and started to take up a bit of golf. Um, I'd been trying for three years and uh, wasn't getting anywhere from a connection point of view and networks and and coaches. So I thought, all right, well, I won't do that. I'll start playing golf. And then lo and behold, six months later, after getting stuck into the golf, I actually got a return email from someone who said, actually, I've just seen your film and you can kick. So I had uh, (laughs) to shelve the clubs and then pick the boots back up, polish them off and get back into the punting. And that's where it all started.
0: Yeah, good. So, uh, so I suppose you spent a little bit of time there and then there was a tiles with another few teams, was there?
1: Yeah. Well, um, well when I first went over, I uh, had a workout with Green Bay and got signed on, on that day. Um, spent the eight months with them. Uh, got let go at the start of the season. Uh, thought it might've been a chance to, to play in NFL Europe, but um, they... Uh, I ended up, the guy they drafted that year uh, at Green Bay, they ended up putting him in, in NFL Europe. So it took that spot away.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Thought I'd keep training. Went back the next year. Had a workout at Cincinnati and was kicked terribly. Like <laughs> was the worst. It was ridiculously bad. Um, and then uh, got my act together by the end of the week, went up to Chicago, kicked pretty well, but they had Brad Maynard there who the season prior had just, been invited to the Pro Bowl and <laughs> was yeah. going to be their guy. Yeah, so yeah, uh, missed out again and then basically
0: ran out of money and went home. Yeah, that's uh, fair enough. I suppose with your time there, like with Green Bay, did you get to spend any time with some of those big names like Brett Favre or anything?
1: Yeah, Brett Favre was there at the time. Um, so it was sort of in that era and they, I think they uh just, um, you know, they'd won, I think they'd win the, the Super Bowl that year prior. I think yeah, maybe I think 2004. So. Yeah, and um, so you know just sort of be a part of that organization and you know what goes on up there in uh, in Wisconsin was just amazing it was it was it was so good to be back in that environment too I felt like you know it was a, an enjoyable experience and I uh, I did as well as I could have I guess with what I knew um, I would have liked to have known a little bit more and maybe understood what goes on behind the scenes of how maybe I could have prepared better or what the roster structure looked like, what contracts meant, and sort of, so I could navigate more things in the future rather than just turn up every day and do my best job and then, you know, one day get a tap on the shoulder and say, hey, you're going sell out, your stuff's already packed for you. So, um, you know, that, that left everything as a surprise the whole way through, which I guess wasn't a bad thing, but it certainly gave me a great taste of the, the sport and certainly wanted to be involved in it. Yeah, absolutely, And I just didn't know what at the time, what that was going to look like.
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, you sort of touched on it a bit there, but sort of the going on on behind the scenes, I suppose, did you find a lot of differences between sort of um, the locker rooms and those sorts of aspects of the game between AFL and NFL? Uh, yeah, I did
1: because I, me coming in from, um, sorry, So sorry, I just drafted a young lad out of Ohio State, BJ Sanders, and they drafted him in the third round. So I literally signed my contract, and then two weeks later, the draft was on. And I thought, ah, oh, okay, no worries. Third round, good competition, no dramas. And I didn't, I hadn't even really understood that my contract basically meant nothing unless I would played the season. So it was game on from there. And then, so the locker room was a little bit different, I guess, with your starters, and because it starts out at hundred and they drop it down to the down to the fifty-three. I didn't realise how many people came and went through the building and were here today and going tomorrow and the um, and the turnover of players. So it was it was an adjustment. A, trying to learn what you think is 100 new people's names, but then trying to work out who players were. And it's not... It, the introduction to Green Bay and then finding out I was going there was probably a two or three-week window. So it certainly wasn't that I was actually going to learn everyone's names off the internet at the same point, if that makes sense. So, um, or out of a book, I was, I was probably sending DVDs actually. (laughs) The old VHS came out. I had I'd sent that many VHS tapes, VHS tapes across. So, um, yeah, so that's sort of, uh, yeah, again, the locker room was different because they knew they were all fighting for the one job. It wasn't, hey, here's a team, we're all together and this is who we're going to play with this season. There was a bit more, um, I guess, the, the connection was a lot deeper because the starters the starters in the AFL were, because the starters in the NFL, they knew they weren't going to see half of them within a couple of months' time. So, yeah, it was a, it certainly was a different dynamic, that's for sure. And learning the locker rooms and uh, yeah, how things went and who was the big players were and uh, who was fighting for their spot. But yeah, I just, uh, I, I loved every moment of it.
0: Yeah. I guess it's, I guess from what we've learned, it's pretty cutthroat and it's more individual, I suppose, than team compared to say the AFL.
1: Yeah. Do your job. And if you do your job and you do your job, we'll win. And then we'll all get paid more and, you know, You're laughing with success and it's a, but you know, to a degree that it, it is a business and it's an entertainment business. And that's yeah. literally, I guess, the AFL, in a sense, and the NRL and every other sport's the same. It's an entertainment business and, um, you know, the the clubs themselves are there to make money and they want to win premierships and they've got to make business decisions. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot. It was really interesting to see that business side take place, whereas players understood it was a business and then they had to make their own business decisions based on what was best for them and everyone just got along that was it you could come and go you could get traded in and out and we understood it whereas you know for years in the afl and and that it was well you know you tried to be loyal to your club and but everyone knew that well yeah but when the club didn't want you they would cut you and you would be traded out yes yeah the the expectation was every player should want to play for that one club for their whole career and they probably do but um if they moved on or said they wanted to trade you know they were <laughs> they were sort of talked about so uh yeah, it was interesting to have it just out in the open at that okay this is a business and we'll all do our job and we'll all get along and and we're here to win
0: absolutely. and if we all
1: win we get paid. Yeah.
0: yeah I suppose um, moving forward I think well, I think probably 2007 that takes you to where did the idea for pro Kick Australia come from
1: um, Probably when I, when I left
0: when I left um,
1: Green Bay and I met a number of coaches there uh, obviously and been there for a while and then went the next year to Chicago and uh, Cincinnati and, and met some more coaches I, I just knew there were guys who could kick and I'd sort of met some people here in Australia who um would discuss the idea with when you, I just knew there was so many there was so much talent here and they could do what I did but I'd made the mistakes that showed my naivety I guess sure. in not being better prepared for it so I'd rang up a few of my my old coaches and said hey listen A, I, I thought you know it was a mistake I thought you should have kept me But there are guys back here. I can't afford to keep coming back and keep trying. There are guys here. If I train some of them, I need you to say that I need you to promise me that you're going to look at them. If I get them through to a level that I now know is acceptable and is wanted by you coaches, what if I look for some talent in Australia, train them up? If I get them to a level, I'll send you some film and will you look at them? And they sort of said, Oh, yeah, heck yeah, no worries. So that was sort of where it started, and we had to make sure that we had to make sure that the the quality we had it wasn't just a guy kicking a good ball every now and again. You know, they did, there's one punter on the roster. I need to make sure that they're good. And I'd been training for it, but I didn't realise how consistent they needed to be for them to keep you around. So just that, just those little things of. What's close enough is not good enough, and what the level of expectation from the coaches that will keep you around longer. So then, they've got to get that into their training habits to understand the difference, and um, and then get players to realise that. You know, and I, I always give the bit of an example with in AFL terms. If imagine if Buddy Franklin uh, turned up to his first game um, at the Hawks and kicked two goals six and they said ah oh, you can't play full forward Sorry, we're going to catch it and you never played again it's a little bit like that but there yeah, was that right. that there was no leniency for mistakes in in the AFL world you just knew you could if you had a bad kick you could just go and tackle somebody and make up for it if you kicked a point you could then smother a ball and we kick a goal and then you feel good about yourself again so i had to try and teach again teaching that mindset of no, no, every kick counts. Otherwise, your job's on the line, and that was sort of the, the um, you know, those extra bits of pressure, and and which then turned into workload and and consistency of effort, and um, and that ability to work on your craft so that you were more consistent along the way.
0: Yeah, because I suppose for them, it's there's someone ready to take your job at the next day. If you're gone, you make a bad pun. There's someone ready to take your job straight away, isn't there?
1: Yeah, and and uh, a lot of the time without. Uh, the NFL team's actually having, you know, punting coaches on board. It was, well, I'm not here to tell you how to get better at it. You need to know. And if you're not, I'll find someone else who can, because I'll step in and it's like, we'll just keep churning through them until someone turns up and does a good job. And if they do a good job, we'll keep them. And until they don't. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was, again, it was great. It was great. Great experience going through it. Heard yeah, at the time. Didn't like getting tapped on the shoulder in the, yeah, you know, in the main meeting and and being told to go up to the general manager's office. That was always – that was an interesting one. But Yeah, you,
0: you know it's yeah. over then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess when you started out the program, where did you initially find people? Like, did they come to you or did you have to go and look at local footy games or anything like that?
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a mail-out, actually. I was – I had some connections of a few people who had some, uh, you know, some uh, – Actually, my first lot was all handwritten. I remember the first time I sent a mail out. Um, I sent a, I sent mail out to twelve hundred people and hand had to handwrite every envelope and uh, lick the stamp and seal the envelope. And <laughs> I remember sitting down, feet under the table, the slip the name. It was um, such a process. So. Uh, I'd had a list of names there, which, were, which was just really handy by chance that we, we'd got a list of names, just to sort of spread the word and, um, and see where it landed. Uh, sent 1,200 email uh, letters out, and uh, four people turned up to our first session assessment. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what I love about that story is out of the four people that turned up, three of them joined the program. And that was Alex Danaki, who we put at Hawaii. Um, Thomas Dydenham, from this is from a college point of view. Thomas Didenham, who we put at Portland State, and the third was Jordan Berry, who was at Eastern Kentucky, who's now still, yeah, you know, um, at the Steelers. So, you know, for for those three to turn up and for us to basically get that, um, get them all scholarships to college in our first season was, uh, over the moon, jumping for joy. It was it was the best feeling to think, you know what, started something here. I didn't realise how hard it was going to be for so long, but to get those young men scholarships just from a from an idea, and then probably two years in the in the building, and then the tr- finding them, and then the training. It was a yeah, it was a, such a great thing to then be able to watch them on TV. It was amazing. Wow.
0: Yeah, I suppose especially because you got to see their whole journey from beginning to end, well, not end for Jordan Berry, I suppose he's still going, but you yeah. know, get to see that progress like right in front of you, that would have been unreal. Yeah, and, and to sort of, you
1: know, looking and we really, um, it really does put a smile on our face thinking about that to this day and to think of what we did then and when we trained. Like at that stage, I was living in Brisbane and I was commuting to Melbourne um, for three days every week. Wow. So, um, those three days every week turned into three, four days every two weeks. Like it was so hard, and I did that for five to six years. Um, so, you know, the effort that was put in just to make sure that they were, well, we did as best we could, um, and to get them their
0: results was, uh, yeah, it was it was um, what well, was amazing. What we thought, yeah, geez, that's unreal. I mean, did you have to do, I suppose technique is probably a big thing. Did you have to do much tinkering with people's kicks? Uh, I know in regards to like when they sort of do it with the torpedoes and stuff, is it a lot different to what we do here or? Well, it's
1: different because uh, I mean, here a torpedoes for distance. So it's yeah. how far can you kick it? And the NFL has got that mix of uh, distance and height and understanding how far actually to, how far you can hit it, given that where you are on the ground and what your coverage unit can do. And it's, um, in the AFL, you kick it as far as you can. Well, you've got people down there on your team <laughs> able to potentially catch it yourself. And, you know, obviously, so it was a different mindset and a different mentality. Um, we had to tinker a fair bit, especially in the early days. The American coaches didn't understand, even though it was similar, they could tell that we were different in the way we kick. Um And they would say, ah, it's funny. I don't, I sort of don't recognize the style. You know, your legs are a bit bent or you don't come off the ground or you need to be more flexible and put your leg over your head. So we sort of found for the first four or five years, we had to teach our players to mimic American punters. We had to make them look like American punters, how they held it, flexibility. kick like them it was it was so I'll call it robotic but it was so different yeah. it didn't necessarily allow us to utilize the skill set we had and so but it was the only way for the american coaches to register that they'd feel comfortable with it because it it was more familiar to them it looked like an american kick therefore it must be an american kick yeah. and so it, it sort of was not until five or six years later that we got a little bit more traction with being able to... You know, we had more players over there and uh, more coaches saw what our guys were doing and then they were... We could turn it into a bit more of a hybrid of the Aussie and the American and then it's sort of obviously the the, um, the drop, punt and the rollout kick came into it a lot more and then all of a sudden they realised there is a hybrid, that Aussies kick a different way. It's a little bit different, but it's... Um, if we train them right, then they can be, you know, pretty consistent, and and that's where you know it's probably changed from right to right at the start.
0: Yeah, so they're probably initially not willing to take those risks, just because they weren't sure if it was the same as what they were used to. Oh,
1: absolutely. But a, we kicked the ball sometimes on a soccer field or a round field, so they didn't see any markings, no lines. Um, they questioned our hang time. They questioned our distance. They questioned whether we're just trying to trick them. Um, <laughs> they question whether we're using rubber balls. So everything was, I don't know if this is true or not. I don't know. It, it, am I going to get tricked into into something turning up that I'm going to be stuck with for four years yeah,
0: okay. on
1: scholarship? That's not what it says it is. So it took a lot of trust. And and I, rightly so. We had to, I remember walking into Alex Danaki's parents' place and um, Ken and Jill, they were, they were there and they're saying, well, uh, nice to meet you. You have said that Alex, you think, can kick a ball and how long you've been doing this? And it was like, nice to meet you and uh, you're, <laughs> you're my first client. <laughs> so as much as we had to teach, as much as we had to get the confidence of the Australian mums and dads and players yep. and make it aware that this is an option, we then had to do the same thing and convince an American coach that someone from the other side of the world um, can and who's never played the game before can kick better than the hundreds of kids that they see at camps and have played high school football. So um, it was a bit of a double whammy and that's why it took so long. And then, uh, so we had to make sure that the guys we sent over were really good. Yeah. And then, and through that, and um, we just had to keep knocking down the door and we just kept knocking down the door.
0: Jeez, yeah. That's unreal. Um, I suppose, yeah. Looking forward now, what's sort of currently, do you sort of have a bit of a process for someone to come and join? Like, is there a bit of screening, you know, as you sort of said, it's not just, you know, getting some kid that can kick a ball, you know, as a torpy, you know, do you guys yeah. look at anything in particular or, um I suppose, yeah, you probably go out and look for people, but is there a way for people to come in and inquire and see if they can be involved? Yeah. Um, I mean, we just through social media, we,
1: it's a lot of it's more word of mouth. And we sort of find that if I, if I ring you up and say, Hey, I've seen you kick, would you think about this? Your mind not, might not even be thinking about American football, living in America, changing up what you're doing. If you've thought about it and seek, seek the information from us. At least you've planted that seed yourself. About okay, I'm I might be open for a change, and I want to check this out. And um, and so over the years, uh, you know, social media has obviously helped. We can show games. There's lots more stuff on ESPN. So, and they talk about you know, pro kick Australian players on the TV, and it's so there's enough. And there's also enough players now that generally you might know someone, or there's someone you went to school with, or you've heard about that a friend of a family member and. Um, that's playing over there. So um, it's, and to be honest, it's really simple. Yes, we've got to find out what you've done academically. Have you finished high school? Are you at university? What grades did you do? So there's an academic portion we've got to check. Um, And then anyone who rings up or emails and and wants to know more, it's, and we get all sorts of emails with uh, phone calls. Hey, how much does it cost? And how long does it take? And we're like, well, nice to meet you. But uh, what's your name? Um, do you want me to give you a call? And there's a little bit more info you need to know about. And others, are, hey, I'm I'm this I'm this old. Um, I'm going to this school. I like playing footy. Here's some film. Do you think I should come down? So there's a whole range of, I guess, uh, inquiries that we get. And really, it's it's a it's a really fun assessment process um, sometimes it's one-on-one sometimes hey you know what just come down to our training session come and get involved you're just kicking a football um, it might seem scary initially but it's not really it's guys just you do, you're doing something that you've always done um, we want to see what you do naturally can you kick a long spiral okay great can you kick a high spiral we, and we don't we don't care whether you're good at it We just want to see what your mechanics are like or your styles like, or how much power you've got. Um, We want to see you kick a drop punt. We want to see you kick a drop punt on the run. See what we've got to work with and what we know fits in with what coaches have asked for. And so if you come down, I actually had an assessment tonight with a young lad. He came down and on the third ball, I said, hold it like this, do that, hold it here in this position. He kicked it 45 yards and 4.5. I said, that's all I need to see. Like, you can you can do this now, and we haven't even trained for it. We haven't even – not consistently, you've got the mechanics now or you've got the power now or you've got a style that suggests, as we've seen over the years, that we can work with this, and you've already got the power that would be in line with kicking a really good college ball. Mm-hmm. So if we get you in the gym and we train you for 12 months, the, the, the expectation is you'll be a fair bit better and then that's what a coach would look for therefore we we'd, we'd uh, um, yeah you know be really promising in in being able to get your scholarship so if you want to put in the work um, I've seen what I've need to see so it's not it's not scary just show us you can do it that might take a hundred kicks um, and it might take a 100 kicks and we say hey listen it's not quite there uh, you need to be stronger go away for six months and get in the gym it might be Hey, learn how to do this a little bit different and come back. Come back to a couple more training sessions. Um, they might come and get an assessment and it's windy and wet, and they can't get, you know, don't kick some of their best balls. But we've got to sort of look through that and then say, okay, this is the academic profile, this is the athletic profile. Um, can we invite you in? Because if and it's not a, it's not that it's elitist, we just don't want to waste your time or your money. When we should already know whether we can we can work with you or not. Hey, just the work still needs to be done, but um, but that's yeah, that's the way we look at it.
0: Yeah. So basically, you've got the things like you can see the mechanics, but there's things that are coachable that you guys can work on in that process.
1: Yeah. And I and I just say, hey, think of it like this: um, someone comes in and want to play baseball, and they've and they've played cricket their whole life, and you go, yeah, they can throw, right? You yeah. just sort of know, all right, yeah. we can transverse some skills and we can do it, but you know who can throw a ball 50 metres and who can throw it 80. yeah. And who's got those mechanics and the rhythm. So you're sort of saying you, you doesn't take long for you to work out. There's an eye test as well, but really we're, we've got to convince the kids to make sure that they don't think we're just pissing in their pocket either. But it's like, no, no, well, I'll tell you what we need. And if you, I'm telling you before you even start, can you kick it 45 yards and can you kick it four and a half seconds, whatever it may be. And if you can do that. Hey, that's, we've asked that before. It's not not um, trying to make them feel better than, than they are. We've got to tell them if they're not good enough. We need to tell them. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I suppose you were saying before, like it's a 12-month sort of program. So once someone's accepted, what's the sort of process? Is it 12 months and then they look for a scholarship or is it sort of a not really open and shut case for most?
1: Hey, that's one of the biggest interesting, uh, I guess, parts to what we do. We've had guys who've come in with super strong legs and they've been in the program for a month and we've got them a scholarship based off their potential. Yeah, right. They've still got to train with us for the 12 months. They've still got to complete our program, but we know, we know certain things that coaches want and, and they might be able and we go, okay, we've got, we've got one here, athletic, um, determined and, um, yeah can already kick a ball at five seconds great all right i know the coach who wants that they might want to snap him up and then let us do our job and train him um there's other times where guys need um and again film is our currency we've got to produce film we've got to uh send the coach something so you might be in the program for for 12 months before an offer comes and so it's really it's really different um and you can only go to America in January or July. Yep. So you might, this young man today, if he joined our program tomorrow, can we get him to a consistent level that he's trustworthy and consistent by July next year? Sure. Well, he's, he had a nice kick. But can he train hard enough to get the muscle memory down to be consistent in time, for us to then get film of him to then show coaches who want somebody by July. What if he gets ready in March next year? And then the coach says, great, but I'll have him in January, 2023. Then all of a sudden it's a bit longer. So there's a lot of different time aspects, what coaches need, when they need it, who's available, who's ready to go, who's consistent enough. There's a big dynamic. So all we ask the guys is just train your tail off and um, an opportunity will come and it might come quick and it might come late. It might come quick and they might ask you to wait 18 months. So um, every everyone's different. And some some guys, it might look like it's really simple. And some guys might be feeling like, gee, I've been here for a while now and I've got to go somewhere. So, um, yeah, when when the teams are giving out scholarships once every four years, um you know,
0: we've got to be at the right place at the right time to make sure we're, we've we got someone ready for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you mentioned, um, obviously, film is a big one, sending film across. But as you sort of said, by the sounds of it, if they're sort of giving scholarships and then letting leaving the guys in your hands, you've obviously created a bit of a connection with some of these schools that where they sort of trust your training a lot more than their own, or I suppose, a little bit. Yeah, well, uh, again, I you
1: know, have to think about it. So... When young men are in high school over in the States or or here, if they're not at college, and a lot of times these special teams coaches are lineback coaches, tight ends coaches who are doing special teams. They haven't kicked the ball. So sometimes, you are know, most of the time you're not going there to get the coaching, you get the coaching about the game, but you're not getting the specific skill coaching for punting. So to have them train with us three, four days a week um, on the punting side of things, and we're, Preparing them and getting them developed—that's a lot. Uh, that's a much better system for them, as opposed to, um, uh, you know, a young man who might not have an actual punting coach. Punts in a game at college or at high school, goes to a kicking camp once every three months,
0: mm.
1: and then has to turn up at college. It's a really big ask. Mm. So, you know, we really feel for for the sometimes the young men who who get thrust into, you know, some of the young American lads who get thrust into some of these really big programs um, and then co- get quite a shock about what they're up against and how hard it is and the different environment and the different footballs or the different expectations of a coach. So we, we're trying to simulate that while we're here. And I think coaches and, and they enjoy that. Um, but there's a lot of trust in
0: it. There's a lot of networking and saying, yeah, this is what we promised to deliver and, and we'll do our best to do it. I mean, we were looking the other day on your site um, and you guys have a lot of scholarships obviously achieved uh, and basically saving a lot of guys in the in their education and money-wise. Um, you're growing heaps. Are you able to give us an update on those sort of numbers? So, <laughs> have, you, have you, re- <laughs> you
1: recognised have you recognised on the website that I haven't updated it in about three years and
0: Michael, yeah, that's Dixon, may just,
1: Michael Dixon may have just got drafted. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Hopefully we see big things out of him. Oh, oh, I, I, right. you
1: know, people ask all the time, look, like, you can update that website. And I'm like, oh, there was a story why it wasn't. And it just, it just took a long way. It's in the it's in the process of being updated now. Um, but those numbers are now, um, those numbers are now, uh I, you know I think it's 185 scholarships um and it's somewhere up around uh 46 million dollars or something like that worth of education so um we've got a bit of a uh we've got a real um we've got some excitement coming we're, we're going to be so pumped to to have gotten our 200 scholarship and it's going to be a real uh, you know it's what we're chasing at the moment so um we're pretty excited about that, however long that takes, but we're, we're really excited for
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose there's a lot of milestones you guys have been ticking off. We've noticed like the last few Ray Guy Award winners have been Australian and like you guys got it drafted and big contracts. I suppose what's the thing for you that makes you feel the most proud of the program? Is it the football, the education side of it? Uh,
1: there's a combination. I Sometimes it's just seeing the journey of individuals from where they've come from and what they've done. And, again, people might see Mitch now at the 49ers and go, oh, well, he's a great kid and he's making lots of money. Yeah, but, you know, he was, it was 21 years of age, um, struggled academically in high school, became a, um, a glazier to make some money, and then based off a phone call with um, with John Smith, sold his house, left his job, moved to Melbourne and put his trust in us to train him, to then send him to junior college, yeah, to then perform, to then get an offer to go to Utah, to then get an opportunity in the NFL. So, and that's someone who's at that top level now. We get just as much... Um, joy out of, out of other guys who just get to play, where they've come from, this at home situations um, and getting an opportunity. Some guys who didn't finish, again, more guys didn't finish high school. We got them into university. Then they became um, into our program and worked through us. And then they've gone over and got their degrees and masters. And, um, you know, we keep sort of say, um, we, could, we, we keep, you know, looking at plumbers, tradies who come and sort of think, you know, I'm just doing this trade and end up at um, prodig- prodigious academic institutions in the States playing footy. It's just such a turnaround. So so there's no there's no, certainly not the size of the football. That can be exciting on TV, but we certainly do tune on and tune into the computer and watch all of the guys whenever we can no matter the level of football they're playing, because it's a success in its own right just to get there, be there, playing there, and and that they've, again, they've entrusted us to put them into a system um, that, yeah, would have been earlier on so far until. So, um, yeah, we're seeing some of those guys with their, uh, their big square hats and then you know, graduating is always a, a pretty big deal for us.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> uh last bit on recruiting i suppose have, has COVID affected you guys much have you still had a few like still being able to go over i suppose with borders closed but is it i suppose it's probably obviously shifted as well because you're not able to do many visits and things like that
1: yeah um yeah it's been a bit of a um it's been interesting oh, and in essence we run a boot camp so we don't get any specialised treatment. I might as well be a yoga teacher going out in the grass at 6am in the morning and doing some yoga. So if the, you know, if the council says, Hey, you can do one-on-one, then um, it was tough last year when it was, was the lockdown was for so long. Um, these two week versions of it to try and get, well, okay, well, the guys can still out go and kick a football, practice what they've been learning and we'll catch up with you at um you know, we'll catch up with you in two weeks' time. But it, it, because it's a 12-, 14-month program, having a few weeks here or there, not being in group formations is is, is not too bad. Um, yeah, last year was a lot tougher. So at the moment, we'll we we'll use the time to regroup, see what we're doing well, see what we need to fix up. So with that, once it's opened up again, we're ready to go. And we've just had our last few guys go to America and, and turn up at fall camp as late as... Yeah, a week ago. So it's like, take a breath. Okay, everyone who can go is gone. Um, we've still got a couple that we haven't announced. Yeah. Who, um, but there's um, a real chance for us to go right out. What the next six months look like? Because the next group of guys coming in, getting assessments, there'll be guys who will leave in January. So we've got to prepare them. So it's, um, yeah, just a chance to reset. And it's winter. So being, being at home sometimes is not a bad thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> does it? Does I suppose COVID help? I guess when they weren't willing to take the risk on you guys, just looking at footage, has that kind of helped? Because they're not able to look at guys on purely at camps now. They had to use footage, and has that helped you guys?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, last year it was it was really good because we could. The coaches weren't out recruiting as much because they couldn't, so they were at home looking, wanting to talk football, Perfect. and it gave it gave us an opportunity to talk to so many coaches who would ne- normally be watching practice on planes, in cars, and and travelling around the country. So uh, it, it gave us a chance to have a lot more um, chats on the phone and sort of give the ones who we may not have been dealing with for so long a chance to know who we are and what we do and why we do it differently. They had time, they're at home, you know, they're playing with the kids and cooking dinner, but other than that, they're, they're looking to, you know, they've been, they've been looking to talk football, and uh, it's certainly... A, open their eyes up to a lot of coaches for them to go, oh, okay, I get it now and not just hear it and push it aside because they're busy doing other things. So it was really good.
0: Yeah. So I guess silver lining, I suppose, to COVID. Um, you were saying like you're looking forward to the next six months for the guys in January. I suppose we've seen you pop up with a few satellite programs in Geelong and Brisbane and stuff like that. What's probably the next five years looking like for you? Yeah.
1: I look there's great guy there's great talent all across the country. So um the COVID surely surely it's so good to be able to have these coaches in those places. And we'd sort of set that up so that not everyone was able to move to Melbourne. Yeah. It was sometimes it was, if we can, I guess, cut their cost down and make it a bit easier if they can still have their job and they can still, um, stay at home and, and save some money and do things like that. But we had the, the structure of our coaching. Um, it's been a blessing for us to be able to get to those, the different States, um, Hasn't meant that we've been able to ourselves travel there and go and, you know, meet a lot of these guys personally, but that'll that'll come. Um, but obviously the, the world's been a little crazy like that. But again, the opportunities that um, that are coming for guys in every state. Um, we've had two, two guys just leave from Brisbane. We've got a um, young lad from Adelaide just about to leave. There's, you know, Geelong have had three or four guys you know, take off and we've just started up Sydney. Um so there's uh there's plenty of opportunity if you can kick a football. And again, we sometimes get rugby players, league players, we get basketballers just who've sort of been around a, a ball and it's worth checking out. Um not everyone needs to play in a power five school. Um as I said and think of that that's success. There's sure. plenty of scholarships right across the board at all these different levels where they can go and get educated, um, be on scholarship, play good football and just have an absolute
0: rip snort of a time um, on a new journey. Can I can only imagine college life would be unreal living on the actual campus as well. That would be uh, absolutely elite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of them. And we've been. I mean, we've done a few trips
1: around the States with our players. Each year we we'd take our – well, we haven't the last two years, but each July we'd take um, – 20 odd players with us and travel around and visit a few colleges of guys. We've got um, punters, guys we've got at college who are punting. We'd mm-hmm. take them around. They'd just show us around their facility um, and we'd move on to the next college. And just so they got a chance to see what what the colleges are like, um, being bit different parts of America in the north and the south and on the coast and all that type of thing. So it uh, gives them a real good, some of these players that we've got here haven't been to America. So understanding the size of the, the football program has been really, really eye-opening for him, which is good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is there any uh, guys to look out for this year? I know we've seen, obviously, Lou Headley at Miami and there's yep. what, uh, Dustin Fletcher's son over at Cincinnati, is it?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Mason, he's at Cincinnati. We've got um, big Andrew Stokes down at USF, who's just taken over from uh, Trent Snyder. Certainly one to watch. I'd uh, be really interested to to, uh, to check in on Jesse Merko at Ohio State. He's yeah. he's done well. Um, actually Wichita Wichita. Um, <laughs> we've got um, Couchy down there. That's a Division II program in uh, Arkansas. Um, yeah, there's actually there's a there's a Oh, there's a fair few list of guys who um, didn't play because of COVID last year, were going to go last year and are now going. There's a, a few um, new teams that we've we've got back into, which we're really excited about again. Um, so uh, who did we watch the other day? Who did we watch the other day? The CFL, guys in the CFL. Oh, yeah, play, you know, like um, we watched Jake Ford play today and um, we saw... Um,
0: Aaron Sipos was
1: on today. Aaron Sipos yeah. was on today at playing Jordan Berry. So they played against each other. So it's, sort of, it it's it a great a time of year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just about to cancel my Foxtel subscription there, but I thought, actually, it's the start of football. I'm going to leave it on <laughs> another few months.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But, um, I, I, and I had, a, uh, I had a, a parcel come today,
0: Oh, which I was that, really yeah. excited
1: about, talking football.
0: Yeah, is that the michael dixon pro Bowl jersey yeah which <laughs> i shouldn't say it but
1: i just my dog was just using it as a blanket right then anyway <laughs> yeah, I'm like, where is it? it He was it was sitting <laughs> on it so that turned up today which was really cool
0: yeah
1: that's amazing inside so that was a a great way to to i guess start the football season of having that turn up in the mail that was that was a, a nice surprise so um Hey, we're ready, to, yeah, we're ready to go. We're like really excited about what's happening. And again, for, for anyone just out there, it might be the best phone call, text message, email you ever did um, just to find out. Because it's not about what your perception is about what you think, whether someone says you're a big kick or not. That's not what it's about. We don't need the biggest kicks. We just need, hey, grab kicks are great. Yeah. We need guys who want to work hard, but who just might be really skillful. there's there's plenty of opportunity for guys who are skillful that can place the ball where they need to um, and being good at it so best thing come down and um, I guess get someone who knows what they're talking about to say whether you could do it as opposed to you go well I'm not going to go because no one's told me I'm not the biggest kick and you know Timmy Timmy Two-Shoes is the biggest kick in our team so he should do it that's not how it should be get off your butt, come down, have a kick um, and if the worst case is you, you put it to bed and get told it's not for you, great, then you know. But you've done it and then you'd be really
0: proud of yourself doing something about it and putting yourself out there because that's what it's all about. Definitely. Yeah, it looks pretty good. You might have to have a think about it. Hey, Cam, not too old to go back to school. I suppose finally, uh, just touching on a bit of the college football, what are your thoughts on the new... Uh, NIL deal and I suppose our understanding is that, that international players aren't able to get it at the moment due to their visas but I suppose if um, that did change would you look into incorporating that or sponsoring some boys or something like that?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Um, it, it's a bit tough for the international guys at the moment um, but there'll be again they just might have to get a little creative. <laughs> um, you know, they, they're they fortunate with you know being on scholarship from the start. Um, I guess now that it's an option, will it be something that might get amended in the future that if they're, you know, if they're an international student, they can, they can be sponsored something as opposed to having a job, you know? Um, so we're, we're working through that at the moment to try and, to try and source out something that's, you know, legal and uh, mm. you're not doing anything wrong so that the guys don't get in trouble. So uh it would be an interest, interesting one because, you know, guys like Lewis Headley, you're going to get plenty of people oh. tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, listen, this, we're yeah. p- perfect for what we want you to come and, you know, represent us and sell him that hot dog or, you know. It's a dream, be. yeah. Huh? Hats and <laughs> things like that. So, um, And it would be unfortunate if they they missed out just because of that sort of loophole. But, um, yeah, we'll get, we'll get there. It's all relatively new, so we'll just we're tread cautiously early.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I suppose, um, yeah, that sort of wraps us up, really. I really appreciate you again coming on and chatting about it and letting us into the world because I suppose, yeah, from an outsider, you sort of think, oh, you know, how hard could it be to just kick a footy? But I suppose there is a lot more to it um, than just how far and how long you can put it up in the air, as you sort of said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got-
1: yeah, it is. There's plenty of guys come down and think that it's that they're going to be okay at it, and they soon realise that it can uh, turn upside down really quick. But again, that's just that's the beauty. Hey, come and express yourself by kicking a football, and then it gives guys who like kicking a football a chance to relearn something. And that's what's uh, half the time the most exciting part about it.
0: Thanks for letting us in, y'all, crib. It's
1: been real.